It is Locked On Jazz for Tuesday, April 19th, a midday live show edition, taking your questions after a disappointing game two loss by the Utah Jazz. What went wrong? They weren't very good. All of them weren't. And what holds for games three and four that might cause the Jazz problems? We're trying to discuss it all in some reasonable No, we're not. We're just mad and upset and disappointed because it would have been awesome to come back two games to none on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, hopefully making it way better to be a Jazz fan each and every day. We are free and available on all platforms. We are live at 2 o'clock Mountain Time afternoon show, uh, which is a little different than what we usually do. I just flew back from Dallas today. Um, and so bringing you the show now and rewatch the game, um, Thurl pretended to go to sleep during the flight. Ron Boone couldn't stay, had to actually get my thoughts while I was rewatching the game on the plane. Um, so I just thought we'd do a show a little, probably different than usual. Usually I have, you know, a bunch of notes and the show's all structured and broken down today. I have emotion and probably a little all over the map. Um, but really want to take your questions because I think I, I think that'll lead to a lot of stuff today, which is a little different than the way I usually tomorrow will be more structured. Um, my overall take is we just weren't very good. Honestly, like I know that's not a very exciting take on this, um, but I was really surprised re-watching the game because I didn't feel that in the arena while I was calling. We were that's probably the broadcast site where they're where the furthest away from the action. So to be able to see effort and battle and some of those kind of things um, are a little harder. In fact, I have a story where we were in Dallas early in my career, one of the first years, and I thought we had like not played hard at all. And I came down and talked to Bowler and um, after the game, and he was like, man, we battled tonight. Maybe it was heartbreaking at the time. And wow, that was an incredible battle. And I actually thought everybody had not played hard. Um, So sometimes when you're that we're pretty far off the court. And so it's a hard one to feel. I actually didn't feel that we, but when I rewatched the first quarter today, I I didn't think the effort was as high as it needed to be. Um, And I, you know, guys were going under on picks that I don't think they were supposed to be going under on and guys were rotating, not rotating defensively in places where they weren't supposed to be rotating. And I, I thought there were some game plan offensive things where guys were supposed to be moving in certain fashions. And I didn't, I didn't see that. So um, I really just don't think we were very good. Like, I, I don't know if we, like, let down our guard, and that's the whole thing. You go up one, and the other team comes with desperation and gets you. Um, but even early, I mean, obviously, there's so much focus. We got one stop in the final five minutes defensively on on all of those, and some of that's shot-making at, at an absurd level. Um, but I, I just actually didn't think we were particularly strong all night long. And I, um, I can find, you know, defensively, I thought guys should have assumed that rotations were coming. I got to be a little careful on some of this X's and O stuff that I'm not making a mistake. Um, you know, offensively, obviously, you know, foul trouble, I think was a huge part of this game. 
Uh, Mike ends up playing for about, I think I figured it out. It was about 74 seconds in the span of an hour and six minutes minimum, probably a little bit more. He played about 70 seconds in 75 minutes is kind of where I had him. And then never regained it. He wasn't great before he got in foul trouble either, um, which is a little concerning of whether or not his legs were dead. Um, You know, there were plays where guys looked tired. There was a play where I saw a guy ask out because I thought he was tired, um, which was kind of a, which was kind of a bummer. Um, So it was just hard to explain on a playoff game too, right? Like that just seems weird. Um, I thought we lost our rhythm early, frankly. We were so obsessed with trying to get Rudy Gobert touches in the ball, and then every time we didn't do it or he missed, it became a run out the other way for a Jalen Brunson three. Like, I think if you go look at the points off those plays, it's bad. Um, You know, and I know that's hard for Rudy to play with only getting one shot in a game. I I hear his pain in that regard. Um, But on the other end, you know what? Like, it's the playoffs and the other guys are good. And I, it's, you know, they may be taking that away. You know, we, um, Gobert turns it over at the nine fifty four mark, which leads to a Finney Smith three, four, six seconds later, Gobert has a bad pass. They actually turn this one back over and we get it back. So that one didn't, I don't want to like overstate it. Um, I think Gobert misses the alley-oop. It leads to a Brunson th- three, five seconds later. Um, and then I think there's one more. So I think they end up scoring nine points off of um, plays in which we're, you know, we're trying to force feed Rudy. Um, Rudy, I think, tries to post up, turns it over. They score. That one's out of a dead ball. Um, and then Rudy makes the unbelievable block of. So, you know, I thought we we spent a lot of time trying to do that. It might have blown a little bit of the offensive rhythm, though, frankly, our offensive rating was like a 120 for most of the night. Um, so the offense wasn't so bad, um, but I just think it might've blown up a rhythm. And then Jordan Clarkson getting his fourth and fifth foul were really killers. Cause I, I thought Jordan really busted his butt last night and played pretty hard and was pretty great. And, uh, is, you know, figured out how to play playoff basketball after being really bad in Cleveland and was super and was bringing juice and was battling and was playing with a lot of energy and then when he got in foul trouble, um, that was a bummer. I don't know what the plus minus turned out to be on that, whether or not there's any accuracy to that in how it looked, but, um, or at least I sometimes pl- I like to look at what's called popcornmachine.net and you can look at game flow. And so Jordan, um, when Jordan checks out of the game in the third quarter, when he doesn't usually check out, we actually do fine. Um, he, he comes back in the game and leads us on a 5-0 run, and then we don't do well in the next stint. They go on a 10-0 run. We're about negative, I think we are about a negative 12 before he comes in for a brief little stint um, before he goes out again. Quinn tried a lot of different things. He put House and O'Neal on the floor together, trying to get us enough defenders, and they still found, you know, they still could find kind of a weak defender somewhere. Um, we're having a hard time, obviously, guarding Jalen Brunson. He was brilliant last night in that one. So I I have got, you know, those are kind of a lot of my early initial thoughts on this one. Um, My, my big overall thought I would have, by the way, is I'm not sure we can win. And I said this before the show, I'm not sure we can win again the way we won on game one. Um, Just with no threes, 
almost no transition living by offensive rebounding. I'm not sure that's a replicable model. Um, I don't think what they did last night's replicable either. So I think this gets super interesting in the sense I'm not sure either side really has come up with. I, I mean, I, the only thing I would say is they've come up with how to take our three ball away and we better find it. Um, in two games, I think we have 32 catch and shoot threes is all. So 16 a game, that's down from, I think, our season total. Our pull-up shooting, um, off-the-bounce shooting, um, we're at eight point, we're at 9.5 a game. I think we averaged 16 during the regular season. We're, we're not getting those. So they have really taken that away. They for, we're taking just an inordinate amount of uh, paint, non-restricted shots. They're all going in, which is not probably likely. Um, we, we had a, we had an outlier day in the paint yesterday that I don't think is, is something we can replicate either. All right. Uh, I'll get your questions next. I can dig in some more, um, on some other items. I've, I've got plenty, but I do want to take your questions on this kind of midday, uh, edition live show of locked on jazz, a little bit different. Um, get your thoughts, get your comments, take those. We'll talk about them. Um, as we continue, uh, today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at intercap lending. Steve Carter is our own personal loan officer. He does amazing work. Um, it's an absolute pleasure for me to share Steve with you and let you know about Steve Carter because of the work that he does. Intercap is a neat company. Um, they, I've done my loans with them. Uh, our COO did his loans with them. We've sent multiple lockdown people always with a great reaction. They, they came back to Utah when Josh Romney bought them in 2016. They're in their 40th year and they've just been expanding. And, you know, if, re, if lenders expand, it's because they get deals done and realtors want to deal with them, right? That's, uh, and it's because they service their own loans, have long-term relationships, better uh, work with the customers and, and they're headquartered out of Utah, but they do do loans outside of the state. So this is not just for Utah people. You can reach Steve directly at 385-885-28. That's 385-885-28. Or if you'd like to, you can email me first at dlock 9 at gmail.com. That's dlock 9 at gmail.com. Uh, and I'll set you up with a personal connection to Steve Carter. He'll do amazing work with you. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465 or visit Intercap Lending. Dot com. Today's show is also brought to you by Prize Picks. Please get in the game with Prize Picks, the daily fantasy made easy. Pick two to five players and over under on your projections, and you can win up to 10 times an entry. It's just you versus the projected numbers. Entries can be made up in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Use the award winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Prize Picks offers a variety of options. Any prop you can think of, point scores to rebounds to steals. Maybe Maxi Klebus threes. I don't know. Prize Picks doesn't offer, uh, just offer NBA. You can also do it with MLB, soccer, MMA. So here's the deal. Prize Picks has an exclusive no-brainer offer for you for all users. Get $50 for free if you're a player in the first Prize Picks entry score a single point, but you must use the NBA code or the code NBA. That's right. It's an Exclusive offer, lockdown fans. Today, use the code NBA, get $50 free if your player in your first prize picks entry scores a single point. Uh, lockdown Mavericks, a good show. Nick and Isaac will bring it to you. Uh, also, if you're a football fan, the ultimate mock draft is up and going. All right, let's get to the number one question everybody wants to ask. Is the problem on perimeter defense effort, scheme, or talent? I think yes. I don't know about effort. Um, 
We're, we have a really hard time guarding on the perimeter. Like guys are coming at us, blown by us. Are we shading guys one direction or another, trying to get them to go in certain ways and somehow that's making it easier instead of just playing straight up? I, I don't I don't have an answer for that. That would really be the only scheme, right? I can't imagine any other scheme that would be out there. Um, when, when someone says, well, is it scheme? Unless my knowledge isn't good enough, the only scheme you could have is that you're deciding that you want Jalen Brunson going one way or the other, right? Um, and then he blows by you. Do I feel like we give up straight line drives at times that are stunning? Yep, I do. Um, you know, he's pretty powerful. You can't put hands on guys. We are, we're pretty small. We try to slide with them. Um, but, and also Jalen Brunson, you know, came in in the 65th percentile of all isolation. It's pretty good. Um, if you're wondering, we, we, his ISO drives, he's, he's much better. If he goes left, he's in the 80th percentile. If he goes left, he's in the 38th percentile. If he goes right, um, largely because he gets to the free throw line more that way. He doesn't go the, if he goes right, he has a propensity to, uh, not get to the free throw line as much, and he's not as good finishing as he does when he goes left. Um, and he was getting to his left hand an awful lot um, on those isos. Um, if he's coming from the top on an isolation, he's pretty darn good. And he would, you know, he goes left 56% of the time. He goes right 30% of the time. So, you know, can we, now do you shade him right? And then he's downhill on you, and that's a scheming thing. Um, so I think, you know, I don't have a great answer for you on that. On talent, you know, I'm not sure that Mike and Don have shown for a long time or Jordan that they're very good on-ball defenders. Um, and Royce, to me, is getting is just doesn't look quite the same as he once did. He's physically really powerful and strong, but he looks like he's just having a hard time changing directions at the highest level. Daniel House is probably our, our best on-ball defender at this point. Um, and then the idea is that Rudy protects the middle and that then gets us into rotations. Um, and, you know, there's two things to that. Like, can we anticipate those rotations better than we are right now so that we're not seemingly late to that rotation all the time here? I mean, Dustin's asking the rotation is way too late and non-existent. Can we anticipate some of those rotations? Can we anticipate, you know, you never want to come off the strong side corner. That's kind of a big time rule in this league, but the problem with not coming off the strong side corner is that Rudy has to hold on his man for a while. And so therefore Rudy's not getting out far enough to impact. Um, sometimes uh, can Rudy commit sooner and we pre-rotate to the corner faster to be able to take that pass away and make Brunson or Dinwiddie kind of really come to a stop and throw it back out. And then we try to deal with that. The above the breakthrough, then they're taking, are they then taking wide open above the break threes? That was not a problem for them in this game. They hit an, an a insane amount of above the break threes. They made a crazy amount of shots. Now, I do think there's something too, like I'm a numbers guy and analytics guy. I'm about to go non-numbers. Like Maxi Kleba's quote before the game that he's going to take 10 threes. You know, he's going into this game knowing the Jazz are going to leave him, that they're going to, and Finney Smith, this pregame conversation, saying, hey, like, I hope they have Gobert guard me because then I'll get 10 threes. They're coming into these games with a mentality that says, I'm going to get a bunch of looks. I'm going to be open. They're thinking shot, which I think has to increase their, you know, their natural shooting percent. It hasn't for Josh Green yet, and that's going to be the next one. Um, but 
it does feel as though that would be the case. Last night, they were 16 of 33 on above the break threes. They got 13 corner threes, which is a lot. Um, you know, we're just having outlier shot distribution games. One of the best things always about a Quinn Snyder coach team over the years has been just amazing shot distribution. We've always had this massive edge in opponent shot distribution, um, in our shot distribution, and we've had a, mo- uh, a huge edge in um, the other way. We only allowed 15 corner threes in two games all year. We allowed 16 to Denver on January 16th. We got lucky and they went three of 16, and we allowed 15 to Oklahoma City on the 6th. Um, they made six of them. Uh, you know, we have had, we allowed more corner threes we were, than usual this year. Um, you know, we allowed more threes than usual this year. That was a, you know, something either teams defense to us or an off or a scheme change on our end this year is one area where we were really different. And I've never quite understood why, unless it was trying to prep for the playoffs a little bit more is that we allow our shot frequency defensively was really, really different. If you, our last five years, we allowed the second fewest, fourth fewest, first least, third fewest, second fewest. And then this year was 12th. Um, Corner threes, we allowed the least, the fourth, the fourth, the second, the least, and this year was the sixth. Not a big difference. So we did change our defense in some way, it seems. Um, we took we allowed a lot less rim shots this year. You know, we got more insistent on protecting the rim. Uh, we dropped from two years ago at 32.7 to 28.3% of our shots at the rim. That's smart. Like, you'd rather give up an above-the-break three than a shot at the rim. If that's... If that's the change we made, which it looks like we did, because we didn't give up a lot more mid-range shots, maybe a little bit more, um, you know, maybe one mid-range shot became a three. That's the change we made. That's a smart change, frankly. Um, just didn't work last night when they, you know, went an insane 16 of 33 um, from three. Uh, let's get this question from Branson, they were switching on screens for the first three quarters. In the fourth, they stopped. Donovan went three of 11 in the fourth, primarily defended by Finney Smith. Defenses know we about, uh, defense we know about, but where is Quinn? Not sure. So I don't think I totally agree with you on this. Um, because I watched that, just watched that fourth quarter and they were getting fin- Donovan free of Finney Smith. Um, to some extent. Now, Finney Smith's the problem. Donovan over the last two years is 14 of 51 when guarded by Finney Smith. And I believe four of 20 from three. So Finney Smith is a problem. Uh, but I think if you go back and look at the possessions, you can do this on NBA.com. I think they were getting Donovan, Finney Smith switched. Now, De- De- Dallas knew what the Jazz were trying to do, and it was taking a long time sometimes. Um, so... I think that it's, you know, they're, they're, if we can get into it faster, I'll give Dallas credit. They're shooting at Boyan and Jordan. They're getting into it really quickly when they come up the floor. There's a quick interchange, and then they go and attack. Um, we won't – oh, this is a question to somebody else. Sorry. Um, isn't a long to a terrible shot? Should we give it that up over an open three? We'd love to. Um but I don't think we're getting to the, th- the three-point shots were 
pretty open last night. Um, so we're not getting to those shots. Um, let's see if I do quickly doing a little filter here. Um, so last game, according to NBA.com, the Jazz took 20, uh, the Mavericks took 28 three pointers without a defender within six feet. They made 15 of those. I don't know if those, these numbers are perfect. Um, they took another 16 three-pointers with someone between four and six feet. So they took 44 three-pointers, which I think is what they took last night, um, with no defender. With Most threes are taken, actually. Um, they took 46. Most, of, most threes are taken without anyone near them, frankly. That's kind of how it works, unless it's off the bounce. The Jazz, on the other hand, um, took tightly defended within four feet. We took five. We went one for five. Four to six feet on three-point shots. We went five of 13, 39%. Hard to complain. And six feet wide open, we only got 11. We went four of 11, five of 11. They got 28 and they hit 54% of them. That'll win a lot of games. That'll win every game almost, probably. And the fact it was close, well, we weren't very good and they were doing that. I'm not sure I think we like lost the series. I just think we lost the chance to knock the series out. Um. I don't know that I think Luca's particularly close and we're back home and our bench players will play better at home. Like I still think the jazz win this series as it sits right now. Um, they just weren't very good last night. Um, but they better figure out how to guard because we're going to see a lot of Spencer Dinwiddie and a lot of Jalen Brunson going downhill. Um, in on these games. What do you think the organization considers a failed or successful season? Hmm. If we get to the second round, we play Phoenix, who's great, and the best team in the league, and we play them well, I, I think that would probably go under success. If we lose this series, it's not great. Well, the expectations were to get out of the first round of the playoffs would, would be, been, I think. You know, I personally believe you can all, if you can get to the second round and just in that final four of your conference, you're just – you just begin to play matchup games at that point and hoping to see if you've got something, um, you know, in that way. James reminds everyone that we did go to Dallas and steal one and stay positive and we'll get it together. I I, I, I agree. I don't think the Jazz have lost the series. I think they lost a game. I, I'm not sure, as I kind of even said this, you know, before the last game, this isn't a new take. I, I, I We've got to find a way to win games. I, I don't think the way we won game one is a way for us to win four games of this series. We've got to get some three-point shooting. We've got to get some transition. Garnering 40% of your half-court offensive rebounds or 33% overall doesn't seem to be like a very um, very much of an answer. Do you think switching to a zone at the end there may have helped? Um, well, we went to the zone. I'd have to go look and see what our zone numbers are in the series. We, we've gone to the zone a few times in the series. Um, I don't feel like we've done it with raging success. Um, to be honest. Um, so I guess my answer is probably no. Uh, 
but they did express well according to according to synergy we've only been in zone for four possessions the whole series now they're scoring 1.25 points per zone so that doesn't seem like a big enough sample size to um to know what's going on but synergy also would tell you that our isolation defense has been excellent so far so maybe some of these numbers that we all live on is are absurd because I would say we have not been very good um, in isolation defense. Love all the questions in the comments. Good audience here on an afternoon show. Thanks very much. Uh, we'll get to more of them, try to get to the big pressing issues of the day. Today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto's prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything you need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Yes, new carpet. Even have diesel deaf and all that kind of blue deaf or whatever it's called. Uh, Go explore the easy-to-use website. Find solutions to all your auto parts. Go to rockauto.com. It's reliably low prices, amazing selections, all the parts your car will ever need. And please write the how did you hear about us section that you heard about us from Locked On. Today's show is also brought to you by betonline.net, your number one source for all your betting stats, sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, news, including this year's basketball playoffs and start of Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information. From live betting to playoffs to esports and more, head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. What is the BetOnline I heard when listening to Lockdown Mavericks today that the line was taken off the board for this game. Is that true? Uh, Jazz are a six and a half point favorite Thursday night against the Mavericks. Go get our next two at home. We have to find out how. Like, we need to figure out how. Um... Mike Conley was so off last night, says Keel Marshall. Yes, no points, wasn't on early, and then just lost total rhythm of the game. You know, here's a really interesting question. Like, there's this whole debate about what you do about foul trouble. And there's two sides to the story. So one is that you you take the guy out because he's not going to be able to defend well enough with three fouls or four fouls, and you and in his case, you really don't want him to get five fouls because then he fouls out, at, or you know he starts to foul out. And so, the other one is though, I almost thought when Mike got his fourth foul, ninety seconds into the third quarter, that you had to keep him in the game only because he'd been in foul trouble in the second quarter and had no rhythm, and um, and it just blew, you know. Now, they were just going at him, and he was probably going to get his fifth foul within the next three or four minutes, and then you're really screwed, and then he's out of rhythm anyway, so I'm not sure it's really a great answer. I'm, I'm just saying the thought went through my head that you that you, uh, um, that, you know, in, that you, that, you know, now, hey, Dinwiddie stayed in. I, I foul trouble to me, I, I'd rather have my guy foul out, you know, now. Mike Conley's our settling force, and you really need him for the last five, six minutes of the game if you're Quinn. So the idea of letting him foul out beforehand is a pretty easy one for me in this chair to say. So, like, you can take that principle and say, I like to let a guy foul out rather than have him get foul trouble and, and impose the foul trouble upon him. 
Um, that's pretty easy to say rather than, um, you know, rather than being able to kind of play through that. So, um, you know, I think that's, um, you know, it, it was foul trouble derailed him. And I thought derailed Jordan too. Isn't the answer to have the primary defender stop following his man after he's gone by him and rotate out to the shooter? Yeah. Right. Yes. Yes, very much so. Yeah, so, I mean, this gets to a little bit of almost you're playing Rudy higher. See, one of the things that I don't that I don't understand from a schematic standpoint is, like, if we're going to have Rudy hover in the lane, let's make sure Rudy impacts shots. Too often, like, Brunson's stopping at eight feet, making that shot, and Rudy never gets to have the real uh, Rudy impact on it. So do you bring Rudy, this is the idea here would be that Taylor's bringing up, is that you bring Rudy up a little higher and that when Brunson beats Conley, Conley goes to Rudy's man in the corner and hopefully beats the ball there for the pass. And then Rudy's guarding Brunson at that point. The few times the Jazz did that, what Dinwiddie did is circled back out, brought Rudy out, and then drove him. Um, and he's done that pretty well. Can't Conley guard Kleba, not how you spell it. Uh, not like he doesn't anything but shoots threes, puts Rudy on someone else. Um... Probably not. I mean, Mike's 6'1", Kleba's 6'10", 240. So, and then who are you putting Rudy on? I mean, the reason the reason that Rudy's on Kleba is because Kleba shot 18% from three post-All-Star break, and for the last two years hasn't shot the ball well, and they have Bullock, who's a 40% career three-point shooter. Finney Smith, who shot 46% on the floor, along with Dinwiddie, who's a decent shooter, and you're not going to put Rudy on Dinwiddie, or else they're just going to bring him out, or Brunson, right? That's the five they have on the floor for this, is Kleba, Dinwiddie, 46% three-point shooter. They're trying to avoid having Rudy guard him. Bullock, 40% three-point shooter. Kleba, 18% post-All-Star break, three-point shooter. And Dinwiddie and Brunson. So I don't know who else you're putting him on. Um... That I mean, there are not easy when you cannot stop dribble penetration. There are not a lot of easy answers to how you stop win a ball game. And I think that's you know that's that's what's difficult here. Um, I do think we still like again like I didn't think they were very good. I, I was really surprised when I watched the film. I didn't think they were very good. I was surprised. It didn't feel that when I was in the arena. Um, I still think we win the series. I mean, partially as Luca's out, partially as Luca, if he comes back, isn't going to be right. And I'm not actually sure Luca coming back at 80%, like people talk about, isn't a disadvantage to them. We're just going to go out from every play. Um, so I think, you know, that's it. You know, more and more questions about the, the perimeter defense. I mean, perimeter defense in the NBA is super hard, right? And so what Dallas is able to do right now is that Donovan's beating his guy and then they suck in, <clears throat> other than Finney Smith, who's just unbelievable, but we get Davis Bertans or someone switch and then they suck in. And we've got to find a way to get passes out to three-point shooters. Come to a feet, jump stop in the lane with two feet, pass out of it, find shooters, move the ball out of that in a way. And, you know, there were a few possessions where we rotated better to the corner and made them rotate and then Finney Smith had a big three one time where we rotated perfectly. Um, so I think that's, you know, do I think we're going to give up 
28 open threes again? Probably not. This is kind of my point where I don't know that I think we can win a game same way we won game one. I'm not sure they can win a game winning way we did game two. We had a pretty decent offensive game yesterday. I think our, I haven't looked at what our final offensive rating was. It was pretty good going into the fourth quarter when we slowed down a little bit. But I also, you know, just in fairness of trying to be non-biased, our offensive rating was a 118. It was pretty good. Um, I don't think we can shoot the way we did either. You know, not three-point shooting, but we went 17 of 26 in the paint non-restricted area. We only went 8 of 20 at the rim. Um, But I also don't think we'll spend, you know, an eighth of the game trying to get Rudy Gobert going. Um. So we'll see. Some somebody said that uh, House took Brunson, shut down Brunson, then Quinn took House out. Might get smoked by Brunson. Hmm. Wonder if that's actually true. Might be. Um. House. Uh, Mike came back. Yeah, right there. Maybe. Um. You know, one thing that's hard on House, he really has about one or two dribbles to him, and that's about it. So when they're running him off the three-point line, and Dallas is good at this. This is not – Dallas was the – let me look at my notes quickly here. Um, Dallas was the fifth-best team – or tenth-best team at defending the above-the-break three and the third-best team in the league – oh, no, wait, take that back. Fifth-best team at denying the above-the-break three and third-best team in the league at defending it. So they're, they're, they're long and athletic enough to go get people – and get them off the, um, and get them off the off the three point line. And then when House has to dribble, that's not the greatest thing uh, for the Jazz. See what Jalen Brunson. Let me see. I'm pulling up uh, offensive player Jalen Brunson so far in the series against Daniel House is two for six. Against Royce O'Neal is five of eleven. Mike Conley six of eleven. Donovan Mitchell, four of nine. Boyan Bogdanovich, two of three. Rudy Gobert, three of seven. Jordan Clarkson, one of three. Two of two on Dinwiddie. What's Dinwiddie? He did not have a very great game. The Jazz, Conley does a good job on Dinwiddie, actually, but he got fouls. Drew those two fouls. The Jazz early put Conley on Dinwiddie and put O'Neal on Brunson. Dinwiddie's four of seven on Brunson. One of three against House Dinwiddie, two of five against Jordan, two of seven against Gobert, two of five against Clarkson, two of seven against Whiteside. He has not actually had that amazing series um, that everyone else, that, you know, he could have. Um, let me just check if there's any. Here's what Noah says. I thought we did good. Mavs are going to win one. I'm glad it was game two. I mean, again, I don't think we lost the series. I just didn't think we played very well. Um, maybe everything will be just fine and we'll win the next two and go up 3-1. Bench players play better. Role players play better. Energy's better. Yes. Yes. Rudy whiffed on three alley-oops and was a turn-off king last night. His defense was fine, but he was in no man's land a bunch, not guarding anyone. So Rudy had a tough offensive game yesterday. There's no question on that. And they tried to get him involved. Um, 
and that was a that was tough. And then defensively, yeah, if you're going to shadow him in the lane, you've got to make sure he's impacting the ball. I don't know how to do it, but that I think is true. We need Mountain Mike. He needs to show up more energy, better perimeter defense. No way Kleba shooting lights out again. We are fine. I like it. Yeah, I think Mike scores next game. Like Mike's not going to have that game again. Um, let me see if there's anything else here before. Um, what if we go double big with Whiteside and Rudy in a zone like we used to against the Lakers with favors? Don't think we could score. Um, but it's interesting. You can't pull them both out, right? It's why I believe, I think it's interesting. I don't think we'll do it. Um, but I think it's why, you know, I've always talked about, I think the next big stage in the league is secondary rim defenders. Um, and I think that's, that's a huge part of this is that if you can get, you know, they pull Rudy out and then you still have a secondary rim defender, you really have something going there. Um, and so I think that's a really important aspect of this. Um, you know, Dallas is number like one or two in the league in drives. What are they? Dallas is the best driving team in the league and the best isolation team in the league. This is not a great matchup, even without Luca. That was kind of my point coming into the week. All right, that is Locked on Jazz. Thanks very much for tuning in. We'll give a more detailed show tomorrow. I appreciate all the questions. I'll run through them if I didn't get to something. Please put comments into the YouTube section, any comments at all and thoughts. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon.